Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Risk and Reward, the golf podcast from Winning Edge Investments that helps you stay on the right side of the punting ledger. I'm Rod Murray and as always I'm on board predominantly to facilitate the digital capture of priceless pearls of wisdom dispensed by our resident golf and betting guru John Evans. J.E.'s been a golf professional for nearly 50 years and he's forgotten more about the game since I started reading this intro than most of us would likely to be able to, to learn if we started ourselves on the task now. J.E., it's great to have you in the studio again. Uh, I've laid it on pretty thick there. Do you reckon you're up to the task? Oh, I'm a modest <laughs> man, right, as you know. Not often you're speechless, J.E. I think I just almost saw it then. Uh, we've got some interesting things to talk about this episode, and we'll come to those shortly. But first, a uh, bit of housekeeping. Now, there's a couple of reasons we do this Risk and Reward podcast. One of them is to fac- facilitate successful long-term golf betting. We do that through the newsletter subscription service uh, where you can find all of JE's tips. We only give a couple on the podcast. I've got an offer for that in a moment. But the podcast is also an opportunity to have a bit of fun along the way and dispense a bit of golf knowledge so that we can all get a bit more enjoyment from watching these top professionals play the game because they really are fantastic. And if you know what you're watching, you will enjoy it a whole lot more. Now, just before I bring Jay into the conversation to give us some of the things we should look for when we watch professional golf, here's the deal I referred to earlier. The newsletter costs $150 per month, but if you're a podcast listener and you want to sign up, there's a 25% discount for the life of the subscription, which brings the cost down to $112.50. Jay's taught me that in the last couple of weeks. Just enter the promo code GOLF25 when you sign up. And you'll already be in the black. Now, add to that Winning Edge's profit guarantee for all three and 12-month subscriptions. And it's really quite hard to see any reason not to be on board. Check the show notes for links to where you can sign up. But keep the pod playing in the background because we are now officially getting underway for Episode 7. Jay, let's start with a recap of last week. It was a winning one, but also a bit of an odd one. Talk us through what happened with Hannah Green, who we must say a huge congratulations to. Had a terrific win on the LPGA Tour, her second Anna Green was uh, as impressive winning this event as she was in winning the LPGA uh, not that long ago. She had two fantastic rounds, had a bit of a setback, looked right out of sorts in the third round, and the young American from uh, California leapt past her, had a three-shot lead. But what was so impressive was Hannah just put the pressure on from hole one matched the other girl, came to the 17th, hold a 25-footer for a birdie. That set her up for to be level, and then she made a very good two-putter, holding a six-footer downhill to win, just as she did in the LPGA event. She's a, she's a very impressive uh, player and match player, but the, the quandary for us was that, as you know, Rod, we put out the, bre- the bets at certain prices and we put out the staking plan, and the object is, at the end of the year, to ensure that all of our subscribers make a profit. And we do, and we will. And in Hannah Green's case, we put her out at $200, and the maximum she reached was 180 So we don't uh, put that down as a winning bet for our uh, records. Because you track all of the bets, don't you? Each week, they're all tracked and all available to look at. They're tracked right back for five or six years. You can see every bet, every staking bet. Hannah Green's not there. She wasn't. Uh, the, the bet wasn't hit. Some of our subscribers, however, right as as you may or may not be aware, um, they probably aren't as optimistic as I am. Although our in-play bets, which we is how we call them, we put them in, and you hope that they're struck, and they they've been struck almost unilaterally for five years. 
The market last week was very thin because the PGA Tour had a week off, in effect, and for some reason there weren't so many golf punters around. So a lot of our prices didn't get hit for the ladies' event. Hannah Green just happened to be one of them. She got out to $180. Some of our subscribers backed her and had a big win, but it's not a registered bet for our, for our results mm. column. It's a bit of an odd one, isn't it, Joe? I think you said to me this hasn't happened before in your five years. Well, you've got to be realistic with these in-play bets. We, what happens is the bet, the bet market might be at 100 and the lay market, the other side of the coin, might be at 400 So you've got to try and pick where the market will get to. And years of experience working on the rails at Flemington, I've got a reasonably good handle on that. Um, but this time I didn't get it right. But it's sale IV. Um, it won't materially affect our results for 2019. We're already well in front. Um, we backed uh, a $700 winner and a $300 winner. And in the majority of circumstances, we're winning with our top 20 and now top 10 bets. So our subscribers are having a birthday. The, the ones who got on at 180 or even 150 to 1, as I think some did on Anna Green, they'll be happier than poor old podcast Pete, <laughs> who missed out and would have had a big win, uh, but he didn't. And that's just the way life is, right? We've got to put up with it, but... Uh, and it might even happen this week. I've put a couple of in-play bets out there for the top 20 at the European push, European Masters, and it they might not get it as well because it is a thin market caused by the fact that the PGA Tour is not playing, and we've just got to accept that for these one or two weeks of the year. Because it's the granddaddy of the tours, the PGA Tours, where all the money is and where all the interest is. It's the, it's the big show each and every week. As you said, some of the some of the subscribers would have got on. Um, sorry. The interesting part about that, right, is is that I think that the the PGA LPGA events are fun to watch on TV. They, if they get on good golf courses, which they do perhaps a third of the time, their skills are demonstrated. Uh, I thought Anna Green showed phenomenal match play and intelligence in winning last week. And one of our hopes, I believe, from the, from this podcast and from is to interest people in gambling on the women's golf wherever it's possible. And I think that people, therefore, will show a greater interest in watching the women and out of that will come higher prize money for the girls um, I'm, I'm fantastic a, product, isn't it, Jay? And it's it's an underrated product, women's golf. Well, it's it's how you know I'm an old fogey. Everyone knows that. Uh, and if they don't, I'm an old fogey. <laughs> For those uh, who weren't sure, and 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 they the girls today they're four or five yards longer than Greg Norman was. They play the game the same way. They hit the same clubs into the holes that we used to do, and the golf courses are relevant. For the a lot of the golf courses the PGA Tour play on now you know, they could go out with five or six clubs and wouldn't miss the ones they haven't got. So I think that the women's golf is great fun to watch. They're extremely talented and they amaze me at the scores they shoot on the courses they play. So if you get a chance, watch them when you can and follow our tips 
and you'll win money doing it, which mm-hmm. will make it a lot more attractive. Yeah, indeed. Just on that, uh, J.E., and it's a for casual observers of the game, those who aren't really, it's a huge topic in golf. We talk about it constantly. There's a there, there are two very definite sides of this argument about the distance that the guys hit it at the top, which is entertaining and takes a lot of skill and nobody pretends otherwise. But what's happened is a lot of the nuance and the intricacies of the game at the top level have somewhat disappeared, haven't they? It's become a very one-dimensional pursuit, top-level men's golf, where power is disproportionately rewarded. Well, if you look at, I think, three of the most iconic golf shots in in history, one is um, the Spaniard uh, cutting his ball at the PGA when he's chasing Tiger. Uh, Sergio. Sergio yeah, Garcia. Back in 99, yeah. Cutting a two-iron about 50 yards back onto the front of the green, and that's one of the iconic shots. Another one is when Tiger hit it out of a bunker across water to a pin at the back right to beat Grant Wade in the Kemper Open. And a third one, I think, is where Tiger cuts it around a tree, to lands on the left side of the green, spins right sideways and misses by about two foot from going in. Those three shots are actually impossible today with the ball. You couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So... The game's lost something from a ball that goes straighter, enabling the players to hit it further and take risk out of the game. I think we've got to put the risk back in the game, and the only way to do that is to for players to have to hit a three or a four iron into a lot of the par fours, and maybe a one iron and a wood, as Jack Nicholas used to do at Firestone. And we're going to have to control the ball, and we might have to bring back the size of some of these um, huge heads that, Make uh, make driving the ball much easier than it was when um, when the game was a real contest, yeah. which is great. That that is all great for me, isn't it? The ball going straighter and spinning less and doing all those things. I play off twelve. That's terrific, but it has changed the top level game. It's made it less interesting to watch, and for a product that is ultimately just entertainment, that's a dangerous path to go down, isn't it? Well, I think in many ways, uh, Rod, the benefits are oversold to you. And, and to your ilk, and, and in that the old persimmon woods had bulge and roll. If you hit it in the heel, it went down the left and faded back to the centre. If you hit it on the toe, it went down the right and faded back to, hooked back to the centre. That doesn't happen with these metal woods. If you start them off on the wrong line, you're, you're, you're looking for it over the neighbour's fence or, or the next schoolyard. So I think the, those benefits are only applicable to guys with swing speeds of 115 and higher. And, uh, and perhaps the ability to swing the club more consistently. Yeah, indeed. It helps the people it really shouldn't help <laughs> the most. Enough about that. None of that's got anything to do with betting, but I think the message there is pretty clear. Get on to watching the women's golf. It really is fantastic. If you enjoy competition and good-spirited competition and, and watching people who are really good at what they do, the women's golf delivers. And I couldn't agree with you more about Hannah Green. What a competitor she has turned herself into. She'll win a lot more. But we want to come back to last week's betting, which was where we're supposed to be talking about. Yes, that's right. Soundtrack um, by golf. We, we try, we've tried the top 20 for the last six weeks. Um, we had four winning weeks in a row, and then we had a couple of, uh, uh, what do they call them, whiteouts. Um, but last week, we got back in with... Um, uh, the our, event, the Amiga European Masters at uh, Cranstersier there, that funky golf course in Switzerland. And um, Lucas, Lucas, Lucas Herbert. Herbert was our top 10 pick at uh, $8.40. He got up and that meant that we won our, uh, our top 20 bets. But we also took a punt on the top 10 market and Lucas Herbert finished tied for 10th at $21.00. 
Three of them tied. Four of them tied for three positions, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So we got three quarters of that. So we got $15 about Lucas Herbert running in the top ten. And that showed us a handsome profit of 3.1 units. So we won, plus the top 20 bet, we won 4.45 units for on, in winning bets. And we lost uh, three units in losing bets. So we actually, for the whole week, we won one and a half oh. units including missing out on Hannah Green. So it was a pretty good week. Not a bad week. And Podcast Pete got Lucas Herbert. He was he was a Podcast Pete tip last week, so uh, didn't have to pay anything to get that last week. So well done to you, Podcast Pete. Hope that you uh, got on. Uh, it was an interesting week for him, wasn't it? He needed to do something, and he has, because otherwise he's not going to keep his card for next year, and that's a disaster and always at the top of the minds of professionals. Should we move to this week? J.E., Porsche European Open is really the only event uh, on we've got the Solheim Cup. The girls will come to that shortly. Europe versus the US. That's a completely different sort of competition. But in terms of traditional seventy-two hole stroke, hole stroke play events, Porsche European Open on the European Tour is all we've got to look at this week. Let's have a run through. Give us some podcast P tips and why you've picked the players that you've picked for these tips this week. Well, my tip of the of the year, I think, um, is Matthias Schmidt, S C H M I D. Don't forget that. Nobody will have heard of Matthias Schmidt, so there must be a reason why you think he's good value. Well, I just want to give you a bit of his record. In 2017 and 18, in college golf, playing for Louisville University in Kentucky, he finished the team's leader in stroke average at 71.72. In 2018 and 19, just completed, he set the school record of all time for stroke average at 70.55. 1.17 strokes he's gained in one year. That's something worth interesting. He earned second team All-American honours. He had 10 top 10 finishes and he led the US in birdies. Every college player in the US, and there are millions of them, he led the, the country in birdies. Now, let's have a look at what's happened to some of those players that played in the big conference. Hovland... Morikawa and Wolf. They've all qualified for the PGA Tour. Morikawa and Wolf have won. Hovland has got his card through the Web.com finals. This guy was in the second team All-American, second behind all those guys. They've won on the PGA Tour. You might call that the A team. The B team is the European Tour. So this guy, second-team All-American, very good scoring average of 70.55, led the country in birdies. He's playing his first tournament in the European, the, P, the Porsche European Masters on the European Tour, the B team. So he comes into this tournament at exactly the level that Morikawa, Wolf, and Hovland came into the PGA Tour. And they blitzed them. So my feeling is this guy is about a 150 to 1, 200 to 1 chance in Europe. But they put him up at 1,000 to 1. For the top 10, they put him up at 50 to top 20 at 50 to 1 and the top 100 at 170 to 1. Now, I put those tips out on Wednesday and unfortunately for podcast peak. <laughs> I also put out his school record. The world went mad and they've knocked him down now to 500 to 1 on Betfair, to 33 to 1 
for the top 10, 20 and to 100 to 1 for the top 10. Still fantastic odds. So podcast Pete, back him. Get on. $500 on Betfair. You won't get $300 on the corporates. They're, uh, they've, they've, they've been hammered. Um, either they had a bit more understanding of the market and his ability or our mobs got on and knocked the market off. But there's still a reasonable price, $500, still over the odds. Still over the odds is uh, $30 for the top 20 and well over the odds is $100 for the top 10. So get on and if he wins, just send your subscription <laughs> straight in. Straight to to, uh, uh, remember, you get your money back. Send your subscription straight in because you'll be richer than Croesus and you won't have to worry about the veggies for the next week. <laughs> That's the V word in action right there, isn't it? Value, isn't it? J-E. That's the V word right there. If you can't understand that you're going to be tip winners here at big odds and you get your money back if we don't and it's not expensive and you're only having $5 and $10 bets per week at the minimum so you can win big money, uh, 9000 one guy won with a $5 bet. So just think about that. Now, who was our other... Uh, Podcast Pete tips. We don't want to give them too much. Last week I gave them too much information. You gave them too much. That's right. They all had a win on Lucas Herbert. Uh, I've got Miles. I've got Pedro Oriol, who I've also not heard of. Now Pedro Oriol is an interesting player. He's a thousand dollars to win, and I think we've put him into the top. Uh, did we put him in the top twenty? Yes, you did. Okay, so Pedro Oriol, we, we, you back him for the top twenty as well. He's six foot four inches tall. He's extremely long off the tee, and he's led a couple of times in the first round on the European Tour. Now, you've got to play four good rounds to win, but you start with one. He started with his one. I think $1,000 over the odds. I marked him at about $450. So get on him at 1000 He might not win this week, but I think we're going to keep tipping him if he keeps showing some form. So just give him a go, Pedro Oriol. So that covers our... Um, Podcast, Pete. One to go. One to go. Adrian Otteegi, Spanish player, won for the first time not all that long ago, $200. Very long hitter, Adrian Otteegi. He's Spanish. He's got a heart like a lion, and I think he's he should be starting in below 100 to 1 each week. So he's 200 to 1 is a good price. He's a regular contender. It's absolutely not uncommon to turn the TV on and see his name in the top 10 Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. He's always there or thereabouts. I That's should really be putting him in for the top 20, but um, but I haven't. Uh, but you might. No. That's your choice. Yeah. $200 is an awful lot. That seems very long to me. I don't know much about betting, but I know that I know that name. Uh, and I know it well. There's a bunch of others that are really interesting for subscribers, Steve. They'll have a good week this week. There's some interesting bets there to be had. The top 20 bets, uh, J.E., oh, hang on, did I miss any here? No, I didn't miss any in there. I look for the ones with the asterisks. And you've got Schmidt, you already mentioned in there. And Matteo Manassero for the top 20 at $50. People might remember the name Matteo Manassero. Well, Matteo Manassero at 17, I think he won two. European Tour events at the age of 17. Won a car before he was allowed to drive. Yeah. <laughs> he did. I wonder who he gave that to. He won a BMW. He won the BMW PGA at Wembley, which is a huge – it's the, probably the biggest event on the European Tour apart from the Open Championship, and part of the prize was a car. Well, so you won – is this a guy who's won at Wentworth at the age of 17? He's, he's, he's had some putting worries, um, but we see from players like um, Bernard Langer and uh, – 
Brendan Todd, that there are plenty of gurus around right now who are, in effect, shrinks. We would have called them shrinks in the old days. That's probably not the way to call them today, but it, I will. Political correctness isn't your fort, AJE. Eh, exactly, so no. I don't, uh, OPC for JE. They're shrinks. Yep. So uh, if a good shrink's got him, and he, and here's the other thing, if he uses a directed force, he'll solve his problems immediately. He's probably not up to that yet, but he, if he gets in there and somebody gets to him and fixes his putting, he's, he's a little bit short off the tee, but this course doesn't penalise that as much as some of the courses they play do. So I think it's, he's $50 to run in the top 20. He's only got to have a half-decent week for a man who's won two or three previous tour events. He knows how to win. Putting's a problem. Can he overcome it? Maybe not this week, but I've got him in there because it's just well over the odds. Talent doesn't disappear, does it, Jay? I mean, if he's capable of having done that at 17, even if he's had a rough trot for five years... Um, it's still in there, isn't it? Well, he has contended um, over that period, those five-year period. Uh, it's, not, it's not as if it's all uh, doom and gloom. Um, but he'll find a way, mm. and he's still got his card. Yeah, That means that he's still winning sufficient money to keep his card. Mm-hmm. So uh, give him a chance. He's a very good player, a very nice young fella. He's still only about 25 or 26. Yeah, I don't think he's very he's, old yet. He's a kid. So he's got – if he would find the key to rolling the, rolling the rock, um, he might get us a big payday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I fully concur with that. But I sort of don't know much about betting, but Matteo Manassero, that stands out to me too. $50 for that. As I said, that's the only 72-hole traditional sort of stroke play event on the calendar this week. But what will be really interesting, and I must admit – I'll be watching plenty of this myself over the weekend. The Solheim Cup, the ladies' equivalent of the the Ryder Cup, which most people will be familiar with. Uh, almost as much niggle in this one too. There's genuine feeling between these two teams, as is the case with the men. The European ladies on paper will start well back in terms of favouritism. Uh, what are the odds, Jay? And what are you suggesting? Uh, Two-horse races obviously probably don't fit so much the value proposition that we like week to week with the long odds, but what's your take on the Solheim Cup? Should you bet on it? And if you do, who should you bet on? Well, the tie is $300. Um, if you were, um, if you had a lazy five bucks, you'd throw it on there. It's because it's quite hard to win for a team like the Europeans who haven't won very often. Uh, and they might get in opposition and they might just not quite make it and tie. So the $300 isn't a bad idea, but I think... I'm going to back the Europeans at $2.54 because I think home teams have a huge advantage and I think that the girls from Europe who are on the PGA, LPGA tour are improving. Um, Charlie Hull's improving. Georgia Hall's improving. Major winner. She's won the British Women's Open and they're playing in Britain. So... Uh, there's a plus for Europe. The The European team isn't as weak at the bottom as it possibly has been in past years. I mean, we've got Mel Reid down there at the bottom. She finished third in the LPGA event. So, uh, the Koreans, who don't play in this event, they're, they're dominating the uh, US tour. If they had a team, J.E., the Koreans... You wouldn't, you wouldn't back anybody. Well, they proved that. that. They proved they proved that in the tri series when, right. when they when they beat 
the Americans in yeah. the final. That's but right. what that does is you've got to therefore take the Koreans out of every tournament over the last uh, year, the majors particularly, because this is the sort of pressure they're under here, and you see that the Europeans have actually contended just as much as the Americans have. So I think that the Europeans will have a better event than they've had previously. If they can get one or two of their girls down the bottom, like Jody Ewart-Shadoff, who's a very good player, if she can have a reasonable week putting and she wins more than she loses, she might just be the key. So have a lazy five bucks on the 300 and won the draw. That's podcast Pete's tip of the week. <laughs> but we'll be on... We're telling you, we'll be on Europe at 2.54. And I just want to tell you, the last six Ryder Cups in a row, I've tipped the winner. So not only do we come with some uh, uh, knowledge and authority, but I would back Europe. There you go. Uh and whether you bet or not, watch it because it'll be fantastic. A couple of players that I'll be very interested to see myself from a golf perspective, Jay. Celine Boutier, quite a new name on the LPGA. She won the Coffs Harbour event on the Ladies European Tour down here in Australia last year. Then she won the Vic Open on the LPGA this year. She's one of those players, nothing flashy looking about her game, but she gets it done. She's gritty, she's competitive, and she doesn't get phased by much. I'll be really interested to see how she goes. A French lass. Uh, she'll be particularly good to watch. As you said, Jody, you were trying Susan Pat- Suzanne Patterson. Just back from having a baby, hasn't played for 12-odd months or near enough to it, uh, got the captain's pick. So lots of people will be watching her. And on the American side, if you don't fall in love with Angel Yin and the way she plays the game, you're probably watching the wrong game. Fantastic player, hits at miles, carries a two-iron, great sense of humour, uh, and a really good and exciting player to watch. So well worth uh, having a look at the Solheim Cup on the TV. Well, let me go through that. Celine Boutier, who, as you say, won it... Uh uh, down in uh, 13th Beach. I've watched her subsequently and I've actually tipped her on a, on, on a number of occasions, almost every week actually, and she's got into a winning position on a number of occasions. So she is right up to the LPGA standard. And I say her record over the last 10 weeks is as good as the Quarter Sisters, who clearly are very, very talented. So there's Celine. She's a plus for the European team. Uh, then we go to um, your second mention. Pedersen. Susan Pedersen, who should have won the US Women's Open, but somehow or another just brushed the sand with her iron w- coming. Wrong European. That was Nordquist. Sorry. Yeah. Susan Pedersen's won a major, hasn't she? She has won. Yeah. So should, Susan, should, yeah. Susan Pedersen. Player than that. Should have won more, but she's won the Susan win. Pedersen's a major winner, so she's no liability. And the, she, won't, she won't have been picked as a captain's pick unless she's been out grinding her. Uh, grinding on the golf course and the practice fairway. That would be a ridiculous pick. And the third one? Angel Yin, the American Yeah, Angel, Angel Yin, well, she's the longest player out there in the women's tour, so so she's going to be interesting. But is length going to be a critical factor on this golf course? Mm. We'll find out. Does it play a different role in match play length, Jay? It can be a real intimidation, can't it? If you're playing against someone who keeps hitting at 30 yards past you and you're a good player and you're not used to that, can that play a role? Well, let me tell you a story. Sam Sneed went across to play Bobby Locke and Bobby Locke beat him 30 matches to three in South Africa and Peter Thompson was invited by Bobby Locke to go and play Sam Sneed and Bobby spoke with Sam and he said, what did you do wrong? Sam said, well, he said, I 
he missed the first two greens and I hit it close and he got up and down and I missed and he beat me and he kept doing it. He said, so what I suggest to you, Peter, is you miss the first and second greens and you get up and down and you'll turn the tables on him. And he did. And I think the matches were 25 each or something like that. So what I'm, and where I'm leading to with this is match play, you get the first shot into the green. And the shorter hitters in general are more accurate because otherwise they wouldn't be competitive. So that you've got the opportunity to stick the ball on the green prior to them. Now they're the one under pressure. So, and if the long hitters missed the fairway, you're on the green. He's now got to play out of the rough. She's got to play out of the rough. And she's got a problem that you'd have a, you've already faced. So I think that sometimes in match play, being the shorter hitter is the advantage, not the long hitter. The long hitter has got an advantage, certainly on drivable par fours and on par fives that only she can hit in two. But I think otherwise the advantage is with the first player to play to the green. It's a wonderful mental game, isn't it, match play? It's, it's fantastic to watch for that reason because it's 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 just that one-on-one aspect of it is so different to what we see every week. Uh, it really changes the dynamic. And you see players hit shots both good and bad that you never would otherwise. Well, I think Hannah Green showed it the other day. She yeah. she match played yeah. uh, the the lovely girl who I was very very impressed with. I think one day qualifier. She's a, she's a fantastic player, and but Hannah Green just pressured her into failure. Just that continuous pressure that you can apply in match play. Hannah Green hit it down the middle of the fairway. She hit it on the green. The other girl was forced into taking risks when because Hannah was just nerveless. So match play is interesting. So. We come back to the fragility of either team. And you might say that we, we've mentioned that Jody Hewitt's shed off is not necessarily a great putter, but I think there's a fair deal of fragility in the US team. Mm-hmm. I think Lexi Thompson's a fragile <laughs> character. <laughs> she's, she's no great putter, she's Lexi a, Thompson, from short, short range. She's a great sure. player, Lexi she Thompson, but she's talent. a fragile player. So if the European player, and I would match if I was captain, and I'm not obviously, but I would pick. Charlie Howell to play against Lexi Thompson because Charlie Howell's a very confident player. She's long. She won't be intimidated by Lexi's length. And if she can get on top of Lexi in the first match or two, then that puts the US under pressure. So that's why I think the Europeans are going to win. I think they've got less fragile players. They've got less to lose. Here's the other thing about not starting favourite. You've got nothing to lose, have you? Which we see quite often with the, the European. There's, there's less pressure. And the, the US team and the women are the same as the men. They will start as a team of stars. Each one of them has an individual record superior to anybody on the other side. And I, I always felt that brings a bit of different sort of pressure to the US team. And I think that's true for the women in the Solheim Cup as well. Well, I think it's, I think if the if the if the uh, spectators get along there, and I'm sure they will, Glen Eagles, they'll be out in force. Yeah. Katrina Matthew, the captain. If they get that's right, that's right. So that so the, the Scottish uh, and they and they're very knowledgeable and they're great supporters. If they get behind their team, then you all of a sudden you're playing against the 19th man as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. Of course, the Americans won't be able to understand a word they say in Scotland, so they won't. <laughs> Exactly. J.E., fantastic to have you along. Some interesting golf to watch unfold this week. I will be glued to the Solheim Cup, but I'll certainly have one eye on the Porsche European Open. Thank you for coming in today. Always great to chat to you. 
Thanks very much, Rod. And uh, subscribers, uh, subscribers, Steve's going to have a win this week. So once you get, if you get a few quid out of uh, Matthias Schmidt or any one of our other tips, and don't forget to enrol, it's uh, guaranteed and risk free. That's it, right? Risk free. So there you go. All of, all of you won on Lucas Herbert last week, all you podcast peeps, become a subscriber, Steve. You'll be much happier for it. Episode seven, risk and reward in the books. We look forward to your company again when we do it all again next week. 